Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. I'm your host, Mike Moynihan, as my dad said. Yeah, Happy New Year everybody. It's 2023 and another year in the hobby. I guess this is my uh, 42nd year in the hobby and every year always brings, you know, that feeling of, you know, starting anew and what do I want to get and what do I, what am I looking for and all that kind of stuff. That's, I, I just love the kind of just fresh start that a new year brings uh, reminds me of, you know, got new baseball seasons coming up and all, all kinds of great stuff. So <clears throat> I am so excited about getting going. I've been off for a few weeks, you know, just taking some time and kind of lining up guests for this year. We're going to hit a hundred episodes of this show here pretty soon. And I'm really excited about that, but I wanted today to bring a guest on that I've talked to several times uh, he's become a good hobby friend and, and just it's, can you ever have enough good hobby friends? But what Craig brings, I've got Craig Halbig on tonight. He is a dealer and I love just talk, talking to him about cards and the hobby and the state of it because he sees it from one through one lens and I see it through another as a collector. And so and he's a collector, too. So he actually sees it. He's he's bifocal, I guess. He sees it through both lenses for sure. But uh, let me bring Craig on, and he and I will get going here. Craig, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Doing great. Good to see you, Mike. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What is it about you that when I have you on an episode, <laughs> they are my most popular episodes by a long shot? What is it? What are you doing over there? I don't know. I, mean, I guess <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe the topics we're discussing. Maybe it's all the... Deer hunting stuff that I got in the background last time. They wanted to see all the deer. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's it's great. It's your bubbly personality. Yeah, there you go. Is. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so as we get into 2023, Craig, and you know, a lot of people do. What's the state of the hobby? What's you know? What are you expecting this year? The truth is, none of us really know, right? Right. If if you would have told me what the hobby would have done in 2020 before it happened, nobody would have believed you. Right. We would have all been like, you're crazy. And so to, to try to speculate on what we know is silly, I think. But I will ask you, what are you looking forward to? Like as we as we embark on 2023, what excites you about the hobby today? Uh, I'd say for 2023, I mean, for me, transition, like I, I don't have any shows really planned till I think it's March. We're going to be in Nashville. Um it's going to be business as usual for me. I mean, uh, I don't, I'm hoping that everything still stays pretty strong. Now my last show that I did late fall, you know, it was a little bit slower that I, you know, I could tell that sales were a little bit slower, not as much traffic. Um, but you know, a majority of what I have at the shows is, is raw. A lot of it. I mean, I have some graded, but it's raw. And I've also been, you know, I've got a lot of 70 sets. I think that there's going to be a lot more focus. I think with collectors on raw, and also those collectors in that era looking at cards late 60s into the 70s. I think there's going to be more going on there. So, um, you know, regardless, I mean, I know everybody talks about the economy, recession, all these things are going on. But we still got to remember that we're doing something that we love. And a lot of people that are at these shows, they're getting away and going to a card show to buy cards, build their collection because they have a passion and they enjoy collecting. So I think that that is the upside when we talk about card shows and collecting and what's 2023 going to bring. Um, so, you know, as, as maybe things will get a little bit rougher with the economy, you know, it may not where interest rates going to go. I don't know, but I do know 
that a lot of people that are listening to this program, <clears throat> we know a lot of people that love to collect sports cards. And as things might get a little rougher, are people still going to enjoy going to card shows because it makes them feel a little bit better or enjoy? I think I think it will. So, um, you know, like you said, we could speculate on what's going to happen in 2023, but uh, I'm looking forward to a good year. I mean, I, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be good because either way, like I talked about, people are still going to continue to collect and and buy cards and do what they like to do. So that's kind of my perspective and how I how I feel about it. Yeah, I actually totally agree with that. I mean, for me, it's like, well, Mike, what's different? Nothing. I mean, it's status quo for me. Right. Having cards that I can add when I find good cards at a good price. And, right. you know. Uh, and good not- prices, that's key right there. I mean, you've got to yeah. make sure that, you know, like I said, I've said this probably before, you go to shows and there's people that are there to show off their cards. And there's people that are there to sell cards or to help people complete their sets, which for us, for me, that's that's the whole key to be able to help the collectors build their sets and really find what they're looking for. So, um. yeah, I, I mean, prices have obviously, I'll use the word stabilized, <clears throat> but you know, you primarily deal in vintage, which is why you and I are good friends, right? Uh, yeah. but, you know, cause we speak the same language on a whole lot of things. Yeah. I, I don't see the vintage market changing a whole lot kind of normal, right? It's just kind of steady Eddie, right? It just kind of does its thing. And people are always looking for that stuff. Um, are they going to spend more than they can? Well, nobody should do that, right? You're not, but I think that there's always going to be a demand for the demand is not going to, it's not leaning on vintage right. cards. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, someone, instead of spending a hundred dollars, maybe they're only going to spend $50 or whatever their budget is. Maybe it's going to be a little bit less, but you know what? That's okay. I mean, that's okay. We, we're still doing sports cards and we're still doing something that we love. And um, when I do, I don't do a lot of shows, but the few shows that I do do, I mean, the key is helping out the, uh, the collector and regardless you're getting to interact and meet people and you know, it's, it's fun. Would you say, and I, I'm going to throw out a spec, not a speculation, but an idea that I think the vintage collectors are more sticky they're, they're around for the long haul. They're not in it for the quick buck or the, um, typically they're older, not always, but you know, and they're in it for significantly different reasons than the money. Right. So that makes them sticky to me. That makes them, they're, they're going to be around a long time. And I think we're still adding those people to the hobby. Like, I don't think that's a, nobody else is getting into vintage or no older people are coming into the hobby to be in it long-term. I, I actually think there's a lot of people that have come into the hobby over the pandemic that are going to be in it for the long haul. But I think those, if you were to put them on one side of the room or the other vintage or modern, the ones that'll be around the long haul are probably the more vintage guys Yeah, would be my guess. That just makes sense to me. Right. I talked to so many people last year that maybe had been out of collecting or, you know, they got their cards out and they started collecting again. Or maybe they had these certain cards and they decided they were going to build this set. Or I talked to a lot of people that were doing that. And I think, like you said, they're going to probably be there for the long haul. They're going to be continue to collect. And, and you can just feel the passion. You know, when I do these shows, everybody that you're talking to is just, they just, they love it. And I, I love, if I'm not doing a card show... I love to go to card shows and go through boxes and buy cards. And there's just something about it, you know? Um, but like you said, I mean, I think that uh, sticky is a good word, you know, they're going to be around and I don't see it going away. Do you think the card show dynamic itself has any changes in the future? I mean, are, to me, card shows have been pretty much the same for 40 years. They haven't really changed a lot. You see more shows with what has changed, I guess I, the, the simple root of it is a card table with a guy putting cards out and having prices on them, right? That's right. the simplest form of a card show. But then the stuff around a card show now, trade nights are, are a relatively new phenomenon to be, you know, very popular type of thing. Autograph guests have always been since the 80s. You've had autograph guests at card shows, but corporate presence, you know, a lot of companies selling their wares, so to speak, or grading companies on site grading. That's a relatively new phenomenon. Do you see any other things that are 
kind of shifting in the card show world? You know, not really. I, as you went through that, I was thinking about, I think it would have been 1985 when I did my first card show. And my dad had a, uh, a showcase made for me out of wood. The local lumber company here made me one, and I've still got it. And I remember doing that show. It was at a hotel. And, my, of course, I didn't have a driver's license, so my mom took me there, and I had a little red cash box, and I had all my cards, you know, and I sat up there. And, and uh, when I sit there right now, as I think about the surrounding area of the, of the show that we had, um, you know, like where I'm at, there's not a lot of big shows except, you know, let's go to Annapolis or Nashville. But, you know, really the, the setup and a lot of it is really similar, um, you know, with cards and albums and boxes and books and stuff like that, a vintage um, and like you talked about, I mean, obviously there's a lot more money involved. It costs a lot to put the show together. So you're going to have a lot more, you know, like different things that you talked about. You get the grading companies, but um, I think the shows are still, you know, a lot of them are really similar because they work. I mean, as long as the, as the collector or the buyer can get through the show and they can kind of, it's a little bit organized um, and they can get through it. I mean, I, I don't think it's changed a whole lot. I mean, these big shows like the national obviously are just huge, but that's a whole, that's a whole different world. But like here in the Midwest where I'm at, you know, I, I like to go to a lot of these small shows. There's maybe 75 or hundred tables. Um, and they're really similar to the way they were back in mid 1980s. You know, there's not a whole lot of, a whole lot of difference. It is fascinating to think about how fundamentally similar shows are today. Yeah. From decades past, it is pretty simple setup. And it, again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why, right. what's wrong with the way it is? Do we need, you know, I see, I guess breakers pavilion, you know, areas where guys are breaking product live from the mm -hmm. show. That's kind of a new thing in the last few right. years that none of that stuff, like I don't get jazzed about any of that. I want to go to a table and smell the aroma of, right. of old cardboard, right? Yeah. And, Part of the vintage collector. There you go. I mean, it's just, it's in the blood, you know? Yeah. It's that's yeah. I just that epiphany of, wow, it really hasn't changed a lot. No fundamentally in a long long time it hasn't and that's actually kind of a cool thing about it right i think that's that makes it kind of like like a baseball game right you go to baseball and baseball has been played pretty much the same way for a really long time and it can that lends itself to being a generational type of a thing a father can take a son and it's the same game that they watched when they were kids with their dad and so on and you can go to a show now and it's fundamentally the same as if I take my kids, that's fundamentally the same as when I went as a kid. And it right. can be, you know, you see a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of father sons, a lot of um, parents bringing their kids into the hobby and to shows and the kids are all excited. And it's funny, they have a different perspective probably than right. the parents do, but the kids have always had a different perspective than their parents right. do. And they're all about value and, you know, uh, maybe a player because they love the player or whatever, but they don't, maybe, maybe we aren't that dissimilar, but certainly the money just aspect of it. Right. Um, and they like to trade again, like trading's coming back. Right. And yep. uh, just see that a lot more. And it, it kind of died for a while there. It was kind of in a, a dead zone. Not that trading ever went away completely, but it feels like it's a resurgence raw. I think like you mentioned, is going to be a huge resurgence. I think that'll be a big differentiator in 2023. Yeah. Driven right. primarily by cost of grading. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, eh, I'll, I'll take it raw. But what, what that's done is it's allowed people to rediscover the joy of a raw card. Right. Because they couldn't grade it because it was too expensive. They're like, hey, I can enjoy this the way it is in its natural form. Right. And they can still get it graded if they decide to later. You know, I mean, they've got right. options. If they want to have it raw and and have it in their hands, that's fine. And if they decide later on, well, you know, I think I want to get that graded, and they can do that too. So actually, they've got they've got a little they got a few more options there, unless they want you know, there's those that buy them and then they crack them out. I know some people do that too, but uh, yeah, I think raw is going to be big this year. I, I do too, and it it's hit me too in the sense you know I'm a big graded guy, no mm -hmm. doubt. Everybody knows that. But I have embarked on this kind of, I like projects that I can't finish quickly and it will take me some time because it, it's the joy of going through that process of, of picking out the cards and whatever. And 
I've kind of said, okay, I want to get a raw set of every set that Tops has ever put out, 51 through now 2023. <clears throat> and having some opportunities to look at some collections and pick up some starter sets of 58, 57, you know, start knocking out some chunks. That's always a good way to start to me. Yes. And you would probably agree getting a starter mm -hmm. set. There may be some in there that you want to upgrade or whatever. You can always do that down the road, but I'm really, and I want to put them all in binders, which sucks because it takes <laughs> up a lot of space. And yeah. my room here, for those of you guys watching on YouTube is not very big. It's a pretty small bedroom. You know, you're down in your basement, I think. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's a, you got a pretty nice space there. I'm quite jealous of it actually. <laughs> I don't have a ton of room in it and it does take up a lot of space. So I'm like, it, it's forcing me to go slower in a good, and that's a good thing. Like to pace myself with it, to make sure I have the room, the binders, the right pages, all the things that'll make that set you know, that I'll, for me to love it. Right. And be right. able to enjoy it and all those things. Um, I used to think, man, I don't want to buy all these commons of guys I've never heard of. And I'm, I'm a big hall of fame guy and I still am. I still don't want to pay a lot for those commons, but I do want to have them in my collection. I want examples of every card that tops has ever made. I think it'd just be awesome. And, uh, not looking forward to 52 tops. Honestly. Yeah. And quite a few of the years that have tough high numbers, you know, 67, 71, mm -hmm. 72. Uh, I mean, yeah. but it it's a fun, I made a spreadsheet and I'll, I mean, I'm really yeah. like, okay, I'm, I'm going for this and it'll, it might be where I'm going. Okay. I'm, I'll try to do, I, I kind of thought just, if this makes any sense, one or two sets a year to try to complete. Yeah. And by buying, you know, starter lots, several hundred count starter lots. And then, and luckily I already have most of the hall of famers from that era. Right. I, that's kind of the good thing. And uh, I know I bought a 65 set from a guy and I said, take all the hall of famers out. I don't need them. I got every one of them. And that lowered the price of that set tremendously. Yeah. Uh, and I was able to buy the rest of the cards for a reasonable amount, you know, so that does put me in a little bit of an advantage, but it, the whole idea of having all the cards raw is definitely something I've even bought into. Yeah. So I totally get why people like it. There's a lot of them that build sets and that have every year or certain years, they start with their birth year and have the spreadsheets. And I mean, it's once you get it started and you start building sets, it's, it's addictive for sure. So how many, you personally, your collection, mm -hmm. Cause you have tons of sets, right? I've got quite a few that you, that are kind of, you would consider your personal collection. Yeah. That aren't for sale necessarily, or is everything for sale? For no, the no. Price? no, no, no. What makes it into the Craig personal collection? Oh, I mean, if they're really nice, you know, like I, I really like, I like too much actually, but no, I mean like one of my favorite sets, of course, the 53 Bowman color, just because I like the photos and, I've got a really nice set there um, and I've got 64 tops. I really like that's one of my favorite sets. I've got some really nice 60 sets. Um, and then kind of like you, I mean, I started the hall of fame rookie collection, you know? Um, so I started doing that and then I've got, you know, 64 standups are kind of unique and I built a really nice set of those with, you know, those are kind of hard to find in sevens and eights and in that near mint shape. So I've got, I've got that set. Um, that's a, that's a car. Like that's a, like, I also like the idea of having examples of different sets in, in mm -hmm. a, to me and, and Dr. Beckett really hammered this home for me. He and I were talking, we've done it both on air and privately in conversations we have. He's like, Mike, just worry about building a great collection for you. What does that build a great collection? You don't have to have, you know, one great card, build a great collection. Yeah. You know, and what does that mean for you? And each one of us are going to have a different definition of what that means. But yeah. mine is, you know, I would like to have a 64 stand up in my collection. You know, I don't have any. Mm -hmm. And so I've been picking off as I see cards that 
especially in all these collections that we're seeing, I'm able to buy things uh, that I quite frankly don't look for at shows. I just, cause I'm looking for other stuff and right. you can't look for everything. Like you said, you can't buy everything and you can't be looking for everything all the time. But when it's, when it's put right in front of you, right. When I'm looking at a collection, it's like, Oh man, I don't have this or that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, I'm trying to think of some examples. I can't off the top of my head, but it's been cool to add type, you know, kind of like a type collection, right? Uh, right. One of everything uh, for all the different, like I really want some 71 top supers. I don't have any of those. I think they're super cool. And I watched a video. It's funny how I'm, even I get inspired watching other people. And one of my buddies did a video on it, on the 71 top supers and showing some of the car. Like, God, these are gorgeous. You know, why haven't I ever looked at these, you know, and they're a bigger sized. And so it starts me on these little rabbit trails of, of collecting, which is. Those so are so unique. I mean, I've got those sets, you know, all that stuff, the posters, like the 70, I've got every poster set. I've got the box, the wax boxes of the sets, the 72 posters I've got, I've got them in the big top loaders, you know, yeah, yeah. those are not, you don't see those every day. And I've got a set and they're all just, there's the, I mean, they're immaculate and it's just something I'll, I just love them. I'll just, you know, I'll never sell them. The photos are really cool. Um, just all that unique, anything that's unique or, and it's, you know, and same thing when you go to the national, what's everybody's looking for those unique, different, if you've got anything that's unique, um, they're going to, people are going to buy it. I mean, because those things that you don't find every day, I think that's kind of what you're talking about too. There's a lot of things that you don't ever see that you're like, Oh, wow, that's cool. I gotta, I need to get that and put that in my collection, you know? Yeah. Cause you go to a show and you see, everybody's got mantles and maze, you know, everybody's got the, and you, and you look around you're like, this stuff's pretty common. Like this is not hard to find. There are plenty of these out there Mm -hmm. for the world, you know, to have. And so 64 standups, you know, are, are great. Um, They'll go like, if I take, if I take 64 standups to a show there, I'll probably sell all of them. They'll get gobbled up. And then there's sets that are, I think, just underappreciated and they're still super cheap, like 64 Tops Giants. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I know you had a ton of them. Like the first time I met you, actually, oh, yeah. you had a bunch of them and they were graded. And I brought a buddy to your booth. I'm like, you need to buy some. Like he bought a mantle and a Clemente from you. I have and, hundreds and hundreds of those raw. Yeah. I mean, just, and I always bring them to the show, you know, they're so reasonable. I mean, yeah, they're, they're great cards. Like, it's, you want an Aaron or a, it's a May, short yeah, Maze has a stand-up. His is a short print, though, I think, if I remember right. I think so. Uh, but Mantle, K-Line, and Killebert. Like, there's so many great players in that set, right? So yeah. many Hall of Famers and super reasonable. Yeah. Like, not are. even that expensive, especially raw. You, yeah. you can get them pretty cheap. Um, it's funny. You know, we're in January right now. Happy New Year, by the way. I didn't say that at the very beginning. Happy New Year. Yeah, it is to me, there's always been seasons in the hobby. And what I mean by that is or within the hobby, it feels like that no matter what's going on, like I know football playoffs are about to start and college football is wrapping up. Go Frogs, uh, you know, um, my TCU Horn Frogs are in the national championship. We're recording this before the national championship. So I don't know what happened. By the time you guys see this, we'll know what happened. So you'll know if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood uh, next Wednesday when you watch this. But the seasons of the hobby, the seasons of the way it goes, winter just feels slower, even though there are, there are pro sports going on. Why do you think that is? First of all, do you do you think that's a true statement or somewhat true statement? And why do you think that is? I think it's I think it is a little bit slower in the fall and winter months. But, you know, I've done shows, you know, like February when things start firing up and people get ready for spring break. I don't know if it's because it's after the holidays and everybody's ready to, to go. But a lot of times those first few shows, the first part of the year, are usually really strong. It seems like there's a lot more collectors and a lot more a lot more people out buying cards. So but I, I do agree with you on, you know, towards the end of the year, I think it slows down a little bit. Um, I actually sold a few things on eBay here recently and I was surprised everything went real fast, but, uh, 
you know, traffic. Like I think I did a show in Dallas that uh, January and February, I think, or Jan- what does it usually have a January show and a yeah, February show? Yeah, there's one coming up here soon. Yeah. And those are usually really, really good shows. Those are usually busy. And then I've got a March show. I know I'm going to do in Nashville. Um, I know that one will be a, that'll be a busy one, but I think it's just people, you've got that, that kind of lull where there's no baseball. And I know there's football collectors too, but majority of the stuff that if I'm at a show, usually everybody's mostly everybody's looking for baseball. There's some football, but uh, everybody's ready to spring training to start and they start getting excited about baseball and collecting and getting back to it. So. Um, I think, yeah. I think 2023, I think, I think it's going to be a good year. I really do on, on collecting. I think, uh, I think it's going to be good. We'll see, but that's my prediction. Well, the hobby ain't dying, right? No. All this talk about, Oh, the hobby's dead and da da da. I, I think that's just such a bunch of hooey. Yeah. Um, I do too. There's just, there's no way that, that, that the hobby is going to die. It's, it goes through periods of, high interest and lower interest and yada, yada and peaks and valleys. Right. But right. to me, that feels more like a price thing than an interest thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Not, I'm always interested in cards, <laughs> right. right. I, I'm never not, but I do feel like you see, you do have this lull starting in November and it's probably holiday related, right. You can see, make, it makes total sense that <clears throat> people are busy with other stuff. The hobby right for almost all of us, isn't the only thing we're doing. We're all, you know, have families and kids and jobs and vacations and all kinds of stuff. And I think the only reason the middle of the summer isn't a dead time in the hobby is because the national happens. Mm -hmm. And so it, there's always buzz around that leading up to it. I do think there's a post national kind of letdown, like August feels slower to me, hobby wise. Um, then it kind of picks up in the fall as football gets going and people just get excited about that and are looking at cards. And then you have this other period of, so this feels like there's this, maybe these, again, I call them seasons, right. Within the mm-hmm. hobby throughout any given year. And I think we're about to, like you said, come out of that February, March, it starts feeling like, Ooh, yeah. And you have things to look forward to. And you know, the whole spring has sprung and, hope eternal and all these things that yep. it, it translates over to the hobby. Yeah, it does. I think so. And you got the, the folks that are collecting the newer stuff, you know, they're looking at, you know, the new rookies and they're at the shows and, and that's going on too, which is great. So it, it, it creates a lot of excitement and with the collectors. Yeah, for sure. And again, with that idea that the fundamental idea of a show doesn't change, do you ever see like, what makes someone, I don't know how to ask this the way I'm thinking about it, but I'll, I'll do my best. When you're at a show and you're set up, mm-hmm. is it weird sometimes that, or do you see, God, I'm having a really hard time articulating what I want to say. Are there things that are hot? Like, do are there certain years, certain decades that it feels like, man, everybody's asking me about this, this yeah, show. I don't know. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. What I mean, drives that or what have you, tell me some stories or something. I don't know. I mean, you know, last year it seemed like I could not have enough like 1956 tops and, you know, there's just certain cards, you know, people love the 1956 tops because you have the little, the action and then you have the, the photo of the player. And, you know, it all goes back to a lot of times, just those certain photos and those certain cards. Um, and, you know, 1970s, I mean, from, 70 tops to end all the years of the seventies towards the end of last year was just, everybody was building those sets. People love to go through boxes and buy hall of famers from the 1970s because they're reasonable. You can get them. And, you know, it seemed like that was just a, a hot item, but 19, 1956 for some reason in year 53 Bowman color is another year. Um, and then when you get into the sixties, 63, 64, 65 is always a seller. 66 and 67 high numbers. Everybody, everybody wants those because you can't, they're tough to find. Um, you know, you're talking about your building your sets, you know, those 66 and 67 high numbers are, they're tough. They're just tough to find in general when you go to a show. So yeah, there's always certain years that, you know, I'd like to have more of to help the collector to build their sets. Um, 
it's it you don't always hit hit it right at every show but i try to you know i try to have enough to where uh you know for some reason 56 tops i always tried to bring several books and maybe a whole box full of 56s where people could go through and build their sets um so those years but yeah it's funny how that works i mean some years are just more popular than others and maybe maybe it's just that specific show i you know a back-to-back shows you'll have it but um, it, it does happen what about player emphasis like people asking about certain players yeah i mean obviously mantle's always the guy um those those usually go um Clemente, aaron mays you know those are always their hot items but you know a lot of times you know i try to have my my raw cards i try to have not in nice shape in nice shape so i mean a lot of times if they can just most of the collectors if they see a hall of famer and the card is sharp and it's raw and it's nice um they're satisfied with the card it doesn't have to be a mantle an aaron or a maze you know maybe it's a a killabrew or an apparitio or a fox or whoever um, maybe they like a certain team you know but if it's a nice raw i mean if it looks nice a lot of times they'll they sell I mean, they just, they sell, there's enough collectors that just, and like you talked about earlier, what Dr. Beckett said about finding the right, you know, build the collection for you. Um, Everybody's a little bit different, but a lot of folks are just looking for a nice looking card. You know, it may not be a mantle, you know, it may be a Nelly Fox or an Aparicio or whoever, but um, that's nice raw card sell. And they have for me. So is it, but do you also have guys that come up, like I'm, I'm much less condition sensitive probably because I just have maybe because I have so many other things I want to get and I want to stretch my dollar, yep. my hobby dollar more. So I might go, hey, dude, show me your beaters. Yep. You know? uh, I have a lot of that. I have, I put that stuff out just kind of an off grade and I'll sell them. And yeah, they're, when that collector comes by, when they go through the, all that stuff, they, I sell a lot of that too. So usually if, if, and not everybody has that off grade grouping of all hall of famers, but I have hundreds of those and I put them out. And when you get that one guy that goes through there, he'll get usually buy quite a few because I've got them discounted quite a bit. So just something for everybody, I guess. One thing I've always thought about what makes you different and why I think I just immediately connected with you is you're willing to work with collectors. Like, and and I think you can see through, you talk to enough people, Mm -hmm. you know, who really is passionate about it and you can tell, and not that somebody can't fool us every once in a while, but by and large, I think you're probably a pretty good judge of the collector and like, okay, let me, you know, put a, put a lot together and, and you, you're willing to work with people. And I've, right. it feels like dealers are stuck in, you know, early 2021 pricing and what makes a dealer willing to just go, okay, these just aren't selling for what, I could get a year ago. Have you had to adjust kind of how your pricing works or how do you do that? Not really. I mean, I, I really haven't. I mean, on the raw stuff, a lot of it has been pretty consistent for me all of last year. Um, you know, I've, I try to be as fair as I can with my prices. And a lot of times, a lot of them will come straight to my table and they'll spend a majority of their time there, you know, um, but, but you I probably think, already have it priced pretty reasonably to begin with, right? I do. And then I, you know, if somebody spends quite a bit, I, I think everybody just wants to make sure that they get a fair price and that they're happy with the deal. I mean, and that for me, it's the same way because I want them to come back if I, if I come back to that show, you know, so I think that's important, but you know, again, for me, and I know I've talked about this before is being a collector, you know, I kind of try to build what I'm going to take to a show is something that I would kind of be interested in, if that makes sense. That, yeah, totally. Uh, to try to have, well, if I like when I go to a show to buy cards for my collection, I want to go through books. I want to go through maybe some boxes of some raw and, you know, just different things. So I try to have a mix of everything. So everybody has an opportunity to maybe find um, what they like to go through or how they like to look at the cards and uh, different conditions. Most of my stuff's pretty nice. Like I said, I do have that off that off grade stuff. But as far as the pricing, everything's still, uh, you know, pretty much the same. I know some people look on eBay or that when you're taking, I couldn't even tell you how many cards I take to a show. I mean, I don't have time to look on eBay on a raw card, you know. Um, I just 
And even then, how can you really? Yeah, I, I don't know. But I think most people, um, I give them a fair enough price and they, we do, we do some, do some business. And a lot of times they'll come back or they'll spend hours there. A lot of times they'll spend hours and the table will be jammed with people going through books and filling their sets, you know? So, but treating people right, I think Holly and I and my buddy Ryan, when we do the shows, we, we try to be as fair as we can and make sure everybody is happy. You know, I mean, that's, that it's fun. Card collecting should be fun. So I bet the best compliment you can get if you ever, this ever happened to you, I wouldn't shock me a bit, but a guy coming up to a table and he's got his buddy with him. He's like, Oh man, we got to stop at this table. This guy has great stuff and he's very fair. I mean, that's yeah. If everybody says that, then that you've done your job, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. And if, and if they don't, or something's not right, then I'm not doing my job. So I, you know, I think it's, and, and like you said, I know, you know, I know that I've been to card shows. I know there's dealers that, you know, they don't deal on anything or their prices. And it's just, do they even say hi or are they kind of, you know, I mean, I think even if someone doesn't buy any cards, I mean, we can talk about cards and that's, that's fine. I mean, it's all about enjoying the hobby. And if I can sell a few cards, that's fine to help kind of support my collecting and everything, you know, um, that's good. But uh, I, I love it. Like I said, I've been do, kind of doing shows for a long time. Right. Uh, but uh, it's what's just one thing. Boring, what's the most boring thing about a card show, about setting up and being a dealer? Boring? Gosh, I don't know that there's anything really boring for me about it. I mean, if, if there's a slow time um, and, and there's not that many people at my tables, I'm I'm walking around looking to buy stuff for my collection. Always. If it's Heartland statues, I got them right over here, whatever it is. Um, I, you know, the 33 Gowdies, I love those, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm buying cards for my collection. If so, I mean, as far as boring, I mean, it is a lot of work. I'm lucky I've got Holly and to help and Ryan when he can help, but, um, I, I, I'm always having fun or you're visiting with, there's always somebody to visit with, you know, maybe it's, um, somebody else is set up next to you or you're visiting with them and you meet people or, so I don't, I don't know. I, I boring's, Boring is never a word that I've ever used. I don't think in a card show for me. I mean, maybe it is for some, for some dealers. I don't know, but I mean, I'm at a card show, so I'm. I mean, I'm living life, you know. Good, I mean, right? I'm, I'm I'm selling a few cards, and I'm probably buying a few cards. So I'm I'm having fun. So I'm not I'm not boring to me is ball humbug or what am I doing here? You know, that's we're collecting cards, so. There are dealers that you see that are, that have that look on their face of, man, I'd rather be anywhere else than here. And that's. Well then stay home because that's not, that's just my opinion, but yeah, uh, a card show we're there to have a good time. So that's, that's what it should be. And I can attest that what he's saying is true. Cause I've been to Craig's table many times when he's not there. I'm like, Holly, where's Craig? I want to, I've either brought somebody to his table to look at some stuff and, they were looking, oh, I know Craig has that or whatever. Oh, he's out buying cards, you know. <laughs> it's yep. just, it's hilarious. To, it's, and she'll call funny. you or text you like, hey, you know, come back. And I know she probably has to do that a lot for you. Yeah. Hey, this person's looking oh, yeah. at this or wants to get a price on whatever. Meeting people. Uh, There's so many people that you can meet and everybody has a story. Everybody has a story about their collection or about ball players that they've met. And I collect autographs, you know, or, you know, I met this ball player. And, you know, then you start talking about what you collect. And I mean, it's to me, that's what it's all about, you know? And so they're always cool stories. They are. I don't ever hear a card story and go, man, that's terrible. Why'd you tell me that? Like yeah. I, I've never felt that way. It's always interesting. And there's always some thread of connection there, right? Yeah. Uh, it may not be a, a perfect alignment in what I collect, but it's, there's yeah. always something I can go, man, I really respect that you love that yeah. or, are very cool that you had that. And I, and then you can understand why they connect with that player or that set or, right. you know, making, connecting those dots is, uh, is fun. Or even talking about, you know, the collections and you talk about different people and all the collections. I've been lucky to buy some amazing collections over the years of just unbelievable stuff. I mean, and you talk to other people and everybody likes to see those and even those posts, maybe on Facebook or those stories about, you know, so-and-so walked in and they had a cigar box full of 1933 Gaudis or, um, you know, and 
I've got to, I've had the opportunity to, to do that myself, but there's those, those stories to hear those stories are always like, wow, you know, that's exciting. And, you know, maybe that's always an opportunity for somebody, or maybe we've got a chance to find a collection like that someday. So, so I was playing golf today. This happened literally today. Guy says, well, guy I was playing with, he works at the course and he said, yeah, one of the volunteers up here, his name's Al. Al will never watch this, so he won't know what I'm talking about. But Al's <laughs> in his, you know, he's in his mid seventies and I don't know, I can't figure out how it ever came up, but he started talking about his baseball cards and my buddy who works at the, um, at the golf course knows that I'm, heavy into cards and mm -hmm. have, have do all this stuff and chasing cardboard and all that. He's like, you need to talk to Mike, you know, Mike, he's here. Like I live there at the golf course pretty much. Um, and so I talked to him today. He was out riding the, the machine that goes and picks up all the golf balls on the range. Mm -hmm. and I flag him down. I'm like, Al, come here. I heard you have some cards. He goes, yeah, it's all stuff from when I was a kid. And I don't even know oh, wow. what all I have. And I said, dude, I would love to look at it. Like, if he's in his mid seventies, right? He's, when he was a kid, it was late fifties, early sixties. So when was this yesterday? Today, this happened today. Well, you, you won't sleep tonight, then you'll be up thinking about it. <laughs> I wonder what he has, you know. And will anything come? I don't know, but it's fun to have that excitement and like, oh yeah. my gosh, I might find some stuff that hasn't seen the light of day in yeah fifty years. You know, uh, that would be cool and. Yeah. I've, I've told this to people before because I'll be looking through collections and you probably have this same feeling when you're, you're talking with a guy who's selling it and you know, I show him a card. And I'm like, God, this is so cool. And their immediate reaction typically is, Ooh, does that mean it's valuable? And I'm like, no, cool. Doesn't equal value. Not all the time. Right. Cool can just be cool. If it's a, a great card of a great player, but maybe not in the best of shape, right. it doesn't mean it's not cool. Yeah. Right. It's still cool or something that's unique, but maybe just isn't valuable for whatever reason. There's a lot of reasons why rare doesn't mean equal value, but it, uh, I try to get them to understand the distinction between cool and, and valuable. Right. They can right. be two different things, but oh yeah, each one pretty awesome. Yeah. We all want valuable stuff if we're selling it, but if you, I like I bought stuff that, was a couple bucks that I just thought was neat. Right. You know, it wasn't expensive. It was just something I wanted to add like that. I got it right here. I don't, you may have seen this, this top certificate. Did you see when I bought this in yeah. West Virginia? It's like a, this is pre tops. This is world war two. So tops wasn't making cards yet. That's cool. But they were selling chewing gum. And so they would offer, they weren't allowed to sell gum anymore, but they could do these like raffles and stuff. And so I yeah. got, I, I just thought, it was so unique and different. I'd never seen one. Right. And that is cool. I had to buy it. <laughs> I didn't, uh, and I didn't pay a lot of money for it. I just. You saw uh, it. You knew you had to have it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I was in a collection in West Virginia, you know, uh, the one we did for chasing cardboard in West Virginia. So it, I just always am looking for cool. I, I think you're right. Unique and different. And I'm even more in tune with that now as I mm -hmm. continue to, mature as a collector right right and that you see these it's funny the baby boomers and i want to go back to the 70s that you mentioned because i think that's an interesting point that you were making the baby boomers you know they were they grew up in the 50s and 60s right i was born in 73 i think you were you're a little you're not much older than me though me too yeah at yep. all right so now we're getting to that age you know, we're pushing 50, you know, guys in their 50s that grew up in the 70s, maybe, or early 70s. Those are going to start becoming those cards that they want to have from their childhood, right? Right. The the group, the age group, the demographic that's getting older, the, the baby boomers, they either have all the what they have or whatever, you know, and you're going to have this new wave of this next generation of guys that are going to go, man, I want this set and this set because that's what i remember as a kid or that's when i was born so i think you're right i think 70s cards have some room in them and there's plenty of them right that's that's the other cool thing is that they're not rare they're not they weren't as uh 
thrown away as much maybe as like the 50s and 60s stuff by the parents. And so you can certainly find them and that that'll make it even more popular because they're readily available. They're relatively inexpensive. And so I think you'll see that surge in desire for 70s cards. I think that makes a lot of sense. I agree. I agree. I, I've got a couple 70s star boxes and I've got the, you know, different years set up, but the 70s star boxes, people just love to go through there and, you know, oh, this is cool. Like you're saying the cool, but, you know, you can pull out all the all the Hall of Famers and and it's just that era. Those folks right now, that's they're excited about those cards in the 70s. And I always try to bring as much as I can because um, they're going to be they're going to be looking for them. A lot of people are building sets in the early to mid seventies um, and even late seventies too. I bring that stuff. So it's exciting. It's exciting. We're getting to that point. We're getting to that era. We're like I said, we're 50. And that's kind of the stuff when I, I kind of started collecting in 77, 78, 79, you know? Um, so it's, uh, it's cards that I, I love, but I, I take a lot of that stuff to the shows. Cause it's, it's, those are, it's hot item. Hot item last year was in 75 tops. Very popular. You know, a lot of people collect those. You know, you got all, you, there's so many good Hall of Fame rookie cards that year in 75. A lot of people building those sets. What's your favorite 70s set? Probably, probably the 72, just because that was the year I was born. Um, I really like the 72. Um, 71 tops with the black. I mean, of course, I've got all these sets, but, you know, I'm always, I've got a raw set. So if I've got some 71s and I find one, man, that one's really nice. I'll pull my set out and I'll be like, okay, that one's an upgrade because there's always that one little, you know, one little chip. Well, that one's got a little chip spot on it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to upgrade that one. So I'm always upgrading my 71. I've got, to, but I've got all those sets. I'd say 72 is probably my favorite. I don't know. I just like the, the 72 high numbers are kind of tough, but uh, that's probably my favorite 70 set. I'd say 72 tops. I like I think tops kind of mailed it in in the seventies for the most part. I'm not, uh, it's probably one of my least favorite decades. Just designs feel lazy. A lot of the pictures are terrible, especially like 73, mm-hmm. 74. Um, and I, I have a dear and dear 73 for me, same reason as you, that's the year I was born. And uh, so I, I love all of them. So I don't want it to sound like I'm just poo poo on the seventies, but right. I don't know. I've always liked 79. I always liked the little flag banner, you know, at the bottom yep. for the team. The design is incredibly simplistic, but I still, I, I love it. Um, it just, again, remind because when I was started collecting in 81, a 79 card was an old card to me. Like, dude, this is old. This is, yeah. and it wasn't, it was just, it's so silly to actually think <laughs> that I, that I thought that, but I did. I was like, Oh man. Yeah, this was before I started collecting. This is awesome, you know. In 78, 77, forget about 75s because that was like super old. Yeah, you know, it's all relative, I guess, to your age, right? Like, yeah, that's three quarters of my life ago, you know. Yeah. And it was, you know, when you're, but it's so I've always loved 79. Um, people probably think I'm crazy for loving 79, but uh, no, I do. And I've, 78s are cool. I love the shield for the all-stars, you know, on 78. Yep. The Mike Schmidt card in 78 was always a card that I, that and the 78 Eddie Murray. Like I remember as a kid, I just thought, you know, that was just such, such of a cool card. I've actually got hit that rack pack with Eddie Murray showing, but you know, it's just one of those things that you just remember as a kid, you know, one of my big cards. I want to, or one card, one card that's kind of high on my list this year is a 78. Eddie Murray autographed. Yeah. Um, I don't have one of those and I've got a lot, most of the rookie cards now I've gotten a lot of them that are signed and that's one that's kind of eluded me and it's not crazy expensive, but it's, it's always been expensive enough where I'm like, yeah, do I want to? And now I'm getting to the point. I mean, I've got the Ozzy Smith signed. I've got a I'm kind of working backwards. I got a Ricky Henderson signed. Right. So, 78 is pretty much yeah 3,000 hits 500 home runs for steady Eddie right yeah yeah great switch hitter and so I because now I don't just want the card I want it signed yeah you know uh I've got I love the signed autograph rookie I got all that stuff I love that stuff too yeah oh man and I think that's becoming incredibly popular 
Yeah. I, mean, I started sending stuff off and mailing, mailing off cards to all the hall of famers and getting those autographed. And most all of them are so great. I mean, they're gracious. Sometimes they'll sign extra stuff or drop at least Bert Blylevin was just great. Leave an extra note and Bobby Richardson, you know, extra, yeah. a couple extra autographs in there and things, you know, so a lot of them are just, it really helps fuel the passion for vintage and getting the opportunity to, send send uh, some cards off to Mazeroski, send some cards off to these guys and they just they sign them and send them back so yeah, it's it's fun it's, a, it's amazing guys like bobby richardson like you mentioned bill math they're still signing yeah Brooks robinson started signing again you know i mean these guys have been around forever yeah and the fact that they still do that for people that are willing to send oh, yeah. cards is it's awesome very very cool yeah 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 well man i've taken up so much of your time but well, Always, goodbye. Yeah, you're a gracious guest, and you're awesome. Uh, a lot of fun. Make sure you tell Holly hi for all of us out here. Oh, you know, yeah, yep. Uh, I think that's why her, our our first show of this was. I think so. Your, I think third time on the show. It is, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we we talk more than just three times, but oh yeah, uh, it's fun. I love talking talking vintage and sports cards and collections and just in general you just you can't beat it i love it when you tell me stories about people coming up to your table and saying hey i saw you on that show yeah and a lot i get a lot of that that's so um, cool yeah i love you guys making that connection with craig and when you see him at a show make sure you say hi he'll he'll treat you yeah. right um anything you want to tell her you want to plug anything for yourself or where they can find you or anything well I'm, i'll be doing a, a show jeff's big show in nashville I think that's in March. Um, and then there's a big show um, in Indianapolis, that Midwest Monster. I'll probably be doing that one. Of course, the National. I think I've got two booths this year at the National. So I'll be there and I'll be bringing a lot of stuff to the National. That's always exciting. So um, I'll be at Craig's table at the National a lot because it's usually positioned where it's a nice place for me to sit down for a minute and take a break. So I was like, hey, Craig, can I come sit down? Of course, you're yeah. always so great. And, uh, so nice to me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. All right, guys. Well, till next week, we'll be back on the horse here now. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, watching, listening. Have a great day. Have a great week and keep collecting.